0: You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Well, man, it's great to worship with you guys, whether you're here in the Cameo or worshiping with us online. We're so grateful for that. And today, I want to wish my wife, Jeannie, a happy anniversary because she's been dealing with me for 35 years now. Uh, So thank the Lord for that. It was really... You know, it was really tough getting married when we were in kindergarten, but we've stuck together uh, through all these years, and one of the things that I remember about when we got together, just before we got married, we got married right out of college, and we graduated from school, and then we had to spend the better part of the summer apart before we could come together and be married, and it was a lonely summer, you know, and I want to ask you a question today. Do you remember... The loneliest time of your life. And all weekend at all of the services, people have said, you know, yeah. And I can see your faces that you remember a time. That was lonely for you, perhaps for some of you, it's when your spouse got deployed or maybe it's when you were a kid and you got moved to another city and you had to go to a new school and you didn't know anybody and it felt very lonely. Maybe it was after you went through divorce A myriad of different things that caused those lonely seasons in our lives. And a few years ago, I was exposed to a book. It was actually a research book. And it talked about relational capital and dealt with loneliness in the book. And it was written by a Harvard researcher named Robert Putnam. And the title of the book is Bowling Alone. And basically in this book, he explains that more Americans took up bowling near the end of the 20th century. But the book goes on to explain that uh, people started bowling alone. Why is that? was because of the decline of bowling leagues and there's been a trend since I guess the 80s and 90s that public groups of every sort whether it be sports leagues or civic clubs or labor unions or book clubs even churches have been declining in their attendance and that's the the content of the book bowling alone Now, we know that this trend has not been very good for people's emotional health, right? I mean, it wasn't the pandemic that started it. The pandemic just accelerated the trend that was already existing. And over the past 20 years, people went from bowling alone to posting alone online, you know? And so uh, the effects have been pretty devastating. Well, what's the solution We'll stick with us through the whole of the teaching and we'll show you from the scriptures what the solution to all this loneliness is. And part of the effect, according to Robert Putnam, is that people who are relationally isolated are more likely to experience like common colds. Heart attacks, strokes, cancer, depression, and premature death of all sorts. There's a real pick me up for you on a Sunday morning, right? And then the data shows in multiple studies, like over a dozen studies show that people who are isolated are between two to five times more likely to die of all causes compared with matched individuals who live in community. Let's see? But God has a better plan for us and God loves us so much and cares for us so much that he created something called the church where we could have these loving, warm relationships that would help us get through the tough times of life and alleviate our loneliness. Now, I know that the church is kind of a punching bag these days, isn't it? Everybody's got their critique of the church, don't they? Because where there are churches, there are people. And where there are people, there's problems, aren't there? Whether those people are at a church, at a school, at a hospital, at a grocery store. But you know what? Just because people have problems at a grocery store doesn't mean I'm not gonna go get some food to eat. Just because people at a hospital have problems doesn't mean that I'm not gonna go to the hospital when I get sick. Just because people in schools have problems don't mean we shouldn't educate our kids, right? And the same is true of the church. And according to the data, not my opinion, but the data, church attendance actually correlates with people's happiness. And this is in Robert Putnam's book. Now, before I show you this, I want you to understand that I'm not saying that every single person who never goes to church is not happy. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just looking at the broader numbers out there in America. The numbers show us that people who don't attend church at all are significantly unhappier than average. And then the data shows that people who attend church 20 times per year have an average level of happiness. So if you come to City Tribe 20 times a year, you're average, okay? This is what the data says. You know I'm having fun with you, but check this out. According to the numbers in the book Bowling Alone, people who attend a church church every week are happier than anyone else in America they're the hap- among the happiest group of people in America. Now, there's only one small group of people who are just a little bit happier than everyone who goes to church every week. You want to know who they are? You're going to have to listen to the teaching, the rest of the teaching. I'll show you later on, okay? Uh, but w- what we know here is that if you belong to no groups, according to Robert Putnam, but you decide to join a group, you cut your risk of dying in half over the next year. So we should start a slogan around here that says, join a tribe or die, okay? Uh, That's how important this is for our well-being. So with that said, why don't we stand together and read the solution that's in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. Now I'm going to be reading this passage from the contemporary English version of the Bible, and every time... I get to the word together in the text. I want you to read that word out loud with me. So let's practice once. Ready? Here we go. What's the word? Together. Very good. So here we are in Acts chapter 2 verse 42. They spent their time learning from the apostles. They were like family to each other. They also broke bread and prayed Everyone was amazed by the many miracles and wonders that the apostles worked. All the Lord's followers often met and they shared everything they had. they would sell their property and possessions and give the money to whoever needed it. Day after day, they met Together. in the temple. they broke bread Together. in different homes and shared Together. in different homes and shared their food happily and freely while praising God. Everyone liked them. and each day the Lord added to their group others who were being saved. And so the solution to people bowling and posting alone is for us to be together. That's good. Go ahead and turn to someone next to you and tell them, I'm glad to worship together with you, and then take a seat. (laughs) Then you can take a seat. Yeah, it's just a short sentence. It doesn't take a conversation all day. You're cutting into my time here today. And so you'll notice from this passage... That the first church, they met together in the temple and in tribes. If you read the text there, it says they met together in the temple and they broke bread together in different homes. And so they were in, you know, the hall, also the house. They were in the theater and also the tribe. They met in the building they could meet, and today churches can meet in all kinds of places. You've been in all kinds of different churches, hadn't you? Some of you, is like some have experienced, and you know people who go to those big Gothic cathedral kinds of churches, and some of you have gone to or know people that go to big suburban mega churches, you know, and others worship in like a vintage theater, like we do. I've known people in other countries that worship together and they gather out in a field. And so the building isn't what matters, but it's what matters is the people of God coming together to gather and worship him. But then the early church also got together in these smaller, more intimate groups. And here at this church, we call those smaller, more intimate groups Tribes. Now, when I say tribes, here's what I mean it can be small group Bible studies, it can be classes, it can be hobby or interest groups, it can be serving groups. All of those terms fall under the umbrella of smaller tribe groups where a small handful of people, maybe from three to 15 people ish, get together to encourage each other and to grow spiritually and grow closer to God. So what happens in these tribe groups? Well, I created an acrostic with the word tribe that is based upon Acts chapter 2 in the passage we just studied. The T in tribe stands for teaching. So would you say that teaching with me? Very good. And we saw that the early church, they spent their time learning from the apostles and those teachings of the apostles are actually what we have in our Bibles today as the New Testament. See, so they got teaching and we have all different types of Groups that gather for teaching some get together. I know one group that goes over that TV show, the chosen, you know, others go verse by verse through the Bible. Others study different, you know, books or watch different teaching videos. I do a group every year. And my group this year is going to be based on my little book that I wrote a uh, a couple years ago, I Am Not Defeated. And so there's all different kinds of groups that people can gather for and gain teaching. But the R in tribe stands for refreshments, okay? So the T stands for what? Teaching. Teaching. Thank you for the 15 of you who are listening. And then the the R in tribe stands for refreshments refreshments. The Bible says they shared their food happily and freely at their tribe groups. And I can tell you this statistically over the years, I've watched all kinds of different small groups, tribe groups meet. And the groups who have a leader with a hospitality gift that gets the food right is always more successful than the group that just has a gifted teacher as the leader. Isn't that interesting? And notice the passage says they shared the food, not they mooched Food, so everybody can bring something to share to their tribe group, can't they? Um, And if you're on hard times, I'm sure others in your group don't mind to share with you. And so remember, tribe, the T stands for teaching. You're better now. You're winning me over. The R stands for refreshments. And then the I stands for intercession. Now, intercession is just a fancy word that means praying for people. The Bible says they prayed together. Um, Verse 47 says, while they were praising. God And I remember one night Gideon decided to do what we call a pop-up tribe, just a one-night tribe group meeting at my house. And so he says, Doug, I'm inviting people over to your house. I'm like, okay, Gideon, like you do, right? And so all these people come over. And some of you know that Gideon is kind of like a worship jukebox. I mean, you just put him anywhere, put him in, you know, at a park, in a church, in a home. He just starts singing music. People start singing along with him. And so all these people were in my living room worshiping eating my food, and then as we were encountering the presence of the Lord, it was so natural to move to a place where all of a sudden people start laying, putting a hand on someone's shoulder and praying for someone else to support them in prayer. It's only natural in these groups for us to be guided by the love and the presence of God to intercede for others who are in the particular group, and you know why that's so important? Is because of a concept called the call. There's a pastor and author, John Ortberg, who says we're all gonna get the call, and you already know what the call is. Sometimes the call is really good, isn't it? Because life is a series of calls. You get the call, and the good call is, hey, you got the job. You're excited, right? Another good call is, hey, you got the house under contract. That's exciting, isn't it? Or you get the call, hey, you're pregnant and you're gonna have a child. That's Uh, To a lot of us, that's a really good call, okay? Now, there's also the calls that are not so great. You know what I mean by that? You get the call and it's your significant other that says our relationship is over, breaking up. You get the call from the hospital and the test results are not good. You've got a disease that you do not want to have. You get the call from the police department and they've got your son in custody. So these are the calls that you don't wanna have, but here's the deal. We know that we're all gonna get those calls. Will you have a group of people in your life who will intercede and pray for you and support you and help you when you receive that call? See, that's the importance of a tribe. And so let's go back over them. The T stands for teaching good. The R stands for Refreshments. The I stands for. And then the B in tribe stands for B, the church. You know, the early church, it says in verse 45, they'd sell their property, they'd sell their possessions and stuff, and they give the money to whoever needed. And so the early church are getting on offer up and Facebook Marketplace and they're selling stuff to give it to other people who are in the group. And you know, I've been in groups before where, you know, someone is a young mother and just gets pregnant and people in the group Pitch in baby clothes that they had from their kids, you know, to help meet that need. That's being the church to each other within the group, and it's not just about being the church to others who are in the group, but it's also about being the church to people out in the community. And so, one time, I was a part of a tribe group where we would once a month we would meet downtown at a downtown restaurant. And we would eat together. And then right after dinner, we would go over to Strong Foundation, Ministry for Homeless Families that our church helps to support. And we would play with kids in an event called Kids Time. And you know what? Kids Time is basically just you playing with kids. It's not hard to do if you know how to swing a kid on a swing or slide down a slide or talk to a kid or run around or play Red Rover or whatever. You're just playing with kids so that their parents can be involved in a bible study or some type of study that will help their life that is being the church out in the community there but then the E in tribe stands for the empty chair and what happened in Acts is that when they left an empty chair an open spot to welcome others into the tribe everyone liked them and each day the Lord added to their group others who were being saved you know So it's about helping people come to faith in Jesus. In all of our groups, we want to, if possible, leave an empty chair in our theater here. We leave an empty chair so that we have people that God is leading us to share Christ with that they can fill that empty chair. And it's not just about growing the masses, but the individuals that we love and care about and seeing them encounter a relationship with God. And you know, in the early church, they were reaching a diverse crowd, you know, when They uh, first received the Holy Spirit, it's like it wasn't just Jews anymore. It was Gentiles. And if you read through the narrative of the New Testament, you would see all these different kinds of people that were reached. And that's one of the things that I really love about our church is there are all kinds of different people in our church. You know, there are people of different economic levels. You know, I know people in our church that live in high rise condos and others that live under bridges, But we come here and we worship together as equals and are in the same tribe group sometimes. And I know people in every generation, we're a generationally diverse church. I mean, there are baby boomers here. There are generation X, Y, Z, and alphas. All the generations are represented in our church. Um, Some of you come from different spiritual Backgrounds. You know, there are people in our church that come from an atheist background. Others have been agnostics. Um, Some come from you know, Catholic church. In fact, that's the majority of you. How, how many of you have ever been to Catholic church or used to go to Catholic church? Okay, a bunch of hands all over the room, right? And some have been involved in Methodist churches, right? Any Methodist kind of church? Anybody? Okay, like three or four in the hands. Okay, like me, I was the Baptist is where I came to. Any Baptist, any Have you know, been a part of a Baptist? Okay, several Baptists. By, by the way, you, you know how you can tell the difference between a Baptist and a Methodist? you know, the Baptists are not, not supposed to drink. And so here's how you can tell the difference between a Baptist and a Methodist is the Methodist will wave at you and say hi at the liquor stores. They say, that's the difference between those, those two. That's fun for me. But um, anyways, there, we come from all these different religious backgrounds or, you know, traditions. And, you know, those of you that went to like Catholic church growing up, You saw probably some beautiful architecture there, and there's what I love about this church is is they've got this great connection to history and um, a lot of great traditions and things from the past. But part of the reason some of you are here is, is as much as you love it there and love the people. There, it's really hard to bring a friend there if that friend doesn't know when to stand up and when to sit down and how to do all the the liturgies and things like that. So that makes it a challenge. And then if your Catholic grandma knew you were here, she would give you some Catholic guilt, wouldn't she? She she doesn't like that. Um, But you love her. You you love grandma. But Then some of you came here from more of a, a... Charismatic is what we might call it, church. Anybody come from a charismatic background, you know, and want to raise your hand about it? Okay, usually charismatics want to raise their hands. Yeah, that's kind of the thing there, but, um, and I'm kind of charismatic in my thinking. Um, And so what I love about those churches is that they're all about seeing the power of God, and we want to see the power of God today, right? Um, But if you've been a part of one of those churches, one of the things that's a little bit challenging is that when you bring a friend there who's not been in church they, they're asking you these questions. They're like, Hey, how come that lady's doing cartwheels down the aisle? Right. you know, it's just like, how come everybody in the whole church is speaking in tongues? You know, they're like, what's, what's the deal with everybody going you know, it says, what's going on here. This is, it's an odd environment for them. Um, and that's why Paul said in first Corinthians chapter 12, I'll just paraphrase it for you. He said, Hey, if an outsider comes to your church and everybody's speaking in tongues, They're going to think, there's a Greek word for it, they're going to think you're all cray-cray. That's the Greek word. (laughs) It's just like, they're going to think you're crazy. They're not going to know what's going on. So what we're trying to do here is, is help those of you that are what we call our spiritual investigators. Now, some of you come from an irreligious background, and you don't have a lot of church background And I would have you raise your hands, but I know you, and I know you don't want to raise your hands. You want to remain anonymous, and you just kind of want to chill, right? And so I'm not going to point you out and embarrass you in any way, but I want to honor you for coming here because it shows your open-mindedness, and you just want to try and figure out God. And what we're trying to do here is we're taking down barriers that would keep you from understanding the truths that are in the scriptures, and we want to have an environment of prayer so that you can come to know Jesus, all of us, you know? And when you look on our wall over there, the purple sign, it says, What? Know Jesus. We wanna fill the empty chair and help people to know Jesus. We're trying to help people who feel from, far from God become fully devoted followers of, of Jesus, you know? And we wanna have an environment of prayer and God's presence so you can encounter Him, and we don't wanna distract you. From that. You know, Gideon did a deep dive research into prayer movements throughout all of church history. And did you know that there's always a connection between prayer movements and the empty chair getting filled? Do you know that? Every time there's a significant movement of prayer throughout all of church history, a lot of people come to faith in Jesus, come to faith in Christ, they experience his presence. And so, discipleship and prayer and people coming to faith all have to go together, see? Now, here's one of the things that I know is that at the pandemic and, sh- and after the pandemic, churches across America have been decimated. Man, just public attendance, you know, in-person attendance has been decimated. Our church has experienced that. But one of the things that's great to see people coming to faith in Jesus and being baptized. Did you know that last year we saw 114 people come to faith in Jesus and get baptized? Is that worth celebrating to anyone around here? Right on. And did you know that this year we haven't even gone, you know, we've gone a little over halfway through the year. And we've already seen 86 people come to faith in Christ and be baptized here at this church. So we're having a good year so far. And we still have like a couple of more baptisms on the calendar and could potentially schedule a third if we wanted to. And you know, we want to continue to help people to know Jesus and fill that empty chair. Um, There's a commentator in the New Testament. He's a Messianic Jewish commentator. He actually did a translation of the New Testament. His name's David Stern. And he tracks the early disciples. And when Jesus first had the 12, and then Jesus lost one, you know, because of Judas, and then he refilled the seat. So it went from 12 disciples, and then it grew to 120 disciples, and then to 3,000 disciples. And then he says over 10,000 disciples in the city of Jerusalem alone. So the kingdom is meant to continually fill the empty chair and see people come to know Jesus. And look, they did it because they had a tribal mentality of doing it together, you know? And our next baptism is gonna happen on September the 10th. And I want you to dream about it and think, what if? What if a person that you know, that you care about, came to faith in Jesus and was baptized right here on September the 10th? What if the person you've been praying for, maybe it's a friend from your school, maybe it's one of the, uh, the neighbors that you've been you know, praying for and talking with about Jesus. What if it's one of your family members comes to know Christ and you stand with that person that you love on September the 10th right up here as they're baptized, giving glory to God? We can do it if we do it together. We can see, sure, some large numbers, but more importantly, those people that are so important to God, individual people that we each love and that we each care about. And, you know, we like this concept of tribe so much that it's in our church name. You know, we're named City tribe and this was partly influenced by a book it's not even a christian book but it was written by a journalist his name is sebastian younger and he wrote this book called tribe on homecoming and belonging and basically in this book he talks about how people connecting in tribes you know makes them so much healthier and he talks about when the early american settlers came to this country the europeans who came here they would often leave their European settlements and join with the Native American tribes because they love that sense of interdependence with other people and the connection that the people had in tribes. Sebastian also writes about how people in Israel who have served in the military don't have as much post-traumatic stress as American soldiers do. Did you know that in Israel, people who have served in the military, only 1% of them deal with PTSD? PTSD. Whereas in the United States, it's over 15% of the people that have served in the military are gonna come home and experience PTSD. Why? What's the difference? Well, here there are two things. In Israel, everyone serves in the military. So when soldiers get home, everyone else understands what they went through. But a second thing is something that's deep in the DNA of the Jewish people in Israel. See, he tracks how when... Israel was founded, it was founded in a group of tribes. They're known as the 12 what? Tribes of Israel. It's deep within their DNA. And in the same way, we must have a tribe mentality in our spiritual DNA so that we can support each other through the traumas that we've each had, you see. And you know, one of the things that was kind of sad to me is that I'd love that book so much, you know, Tribe on Homecoming Belonging. I learned so many great things. The the research was so rich. And I heard a video interview with the guy, Sebastian Younger, the author. And the interviewer asked him, hey, you know, Mr. Younger, how do you live out this tribal way of living today? How do you live it out? And you know what was sad to me? His answer was, well, you know, it's really hard to live that way these days. And he kind of hemmed around. And basically, I sat there and thought, oh, my goodness. This guy that was so impact, his book was so impacting to me. He can write a best-selling book that influenced a lot of people on this concept of tribe. But he doesn't do it. He knows everything there is to know about it. But he doesn't do it. I thought, man, that's sad. And you know, this talk I gave you today is not some deep teaching on the Greek meaning of tribe or, you know, parsing Greek words and showing you some insight that you never knew. In fact, those of you that have read your Bibles, you know good and well that God calls us to a tribal way of living, to live in community and love each other. And so today is not so much about you knowing something, you already know enough. It's about Doing something. You know, the Bible tells us as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And so maybe you're asking, Doug, what are you asking us to like do? I'll break it down for you in three things. I'm asking you to do three things. Number one, gather together. Number two, group together. Number three, guide together. Let's say this out loud together. Here we go. Gather together group together, guide together. Let's break them down one by one. Number one, gather publicly together. I want to ask you to consider upping your attendance at weekend gatherings like the early church did in the temple. We're not going to set some like legalistic number of Sundays to come, but we know that regular attendance helps us, and we go to Hebrews, and, and it also encourages us in this. It's Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-four, and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. And look at that next part of the verse: not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And there are other translations that would say, "Forsake not the assembling." Of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. Now, look, I'm not trying to say that Hebrews is giving us this like legalistic number of Sundays that you have to attend church or Jesus doesn't like you anymore. But at the same time, in an effort to not be legalistic, let's not water down that passage and make it say just go whenever you feel like going either, right? Because we already know from the numbers that church attendance matters, see? People who are isolated between two to five times more likely to die of all causes. And people who attend church every week are among the happiest people in America. And don't we want that for each other? And don't we want that for other people that we know? We should want that. And I think most of us do want that. And look. It's kind of like when you look at the fire. Have you ever watched your fire? you ever just stare at a fire? Fires are mesmerizing. Men love to make make fires and look at fires. Men, are you with me on this? We love fires, right? And when you're staring at the fire, men, do you ever notice that one of the coals somehow gets pushed out away from the rest of the coals and it turns gray and ashy? But then if you'll take your fire tongue, because every fire is made to be messed with, isn't it? You take your tongue and you move that coal up closer to the other coals, it starts to glow again. And how many of you have ever gotten in a place in your life where you're just like, hey, you know, I'm going to blow off church and go to the lake this weekend. And then you get used to doing that and you you do it all the time. And you turn into that coal that's gray and ashy in your spiritual life. And then it dawns on you, I know what's going on here and you get closer to the other coals and come and worship and you start to glow again. And I want all of us to glow again. And I want others who have gotten separated from the people of God to glow again and encounter the love and the grace and the happiness that comes, the joy that comes in Christ. And so that's just why we wanna gather publicly together. But look at number two, group privately together together. If you're not already in a tribe group, we've set up a table up at the front where Pastor Pedro and some of our coaches, we've got a group of coaches now that are going to serve and support tribe leaders. But if you have never been in a group and you want to be in one, we'll give you an opportunity later on to come up and sign up to be a part of one of these groups after the service concludes. And, you know, um, there are all kinds of Groups that are already started there. I think there are like 13 of them already going. Um, and, uh, and there's actually more than 13, but there are 13 that are on our website and there's Bible studies. There's like interest groups or hobby groups, you know, there's in the past, there's been a bowling tribe so that no one has to bowl alone, you know? And I thought that was a pretty cool one. But people over, all over our church are being helped by this. i want to show you a couple of stories of people that have been impacted by groups. One guy's name is Marcos, and he says, you know, my group, it was a life jacket at a point where I was exhausted. God created this group for us to be able to share, care, and grow as men. It's a highlight of my week. Honestly, these sentences, Sentences don't come anywhere near the way God has impacted our lives because of this group. And then Jessica said, I grew up in a household where abuse of drugs and alcohol and abuse of each other was normal. My mom would frequently tell me that she wanted to abort me. My tribe, even though they knew the worst things about me, things that I held in great shame, like the extent of the abuse and the most terrible things I had done, they loved me still and they had unconditional love for me through Christ, the greatest thing I got through my tribe was worthiness, a deep value that only God can give. I gotta tell you, I get to see a fair number of these stories and testimonials of people who have been impacted by going to one of these groups. And I sometimes have sat in my office alone and just cried because it lands on me the weight of what we're doing together brothers and sisters it's significant and it's making an impact in the lives of many many people and so let's go on to number three guide powerfully together some of you are being called of God to not just attend a tribe but lead one to become a guide of other people and you know I told you earlier that People who attend church every week are among the happiest people in America. But I told you, remember, that there's a small handful of people that are a little bit happier than people who attend every week. You know who they are? They're people who volunteer. And that's why we take people from just knowing Jesus, step one. And then we want to help people get into a group, a tribe group where they can kind of start to cultivate freedom in their lives. And then we have a class called Purpose Lab where people can discover their purpose. And then when you start volunteering, that's when you start doing the last sign over there. That's when you make a difference. So and there are all kinds of different ways that you can make a difference. And I'm telling you, one of the groups of people who are happiest across America and in this church are people who volunteer their time To lead tribe groups and make a difference in the lives of people. And those of you that have led tribes at any point in your life, whether it's with students or children or adults or men, women, whatever. I want to say to you, thank you because you're making a difference. You've made a difference through your service and your volunteerism. We call our volunteers around here our eagles because they fly high. But how many of you know that if you decide to get in the game and actually volunteer and do something, some people might criticize you a little bit. Hey, anybody know that? Ask me how I know because I get criticized all the time. Welcome to my world. But here's what I want you to know. I'd rather you get in the game and like do something than just sit there and Gripe and complain online, you know? Can I show you a quote from Theodore Roosevelt that's encouraging for me? He said, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. It's like, I wanna ask you, are you willing to get in the arena today and to lead a tribe as a way to get in the arena and do something? Man, you know, I've kinda, the older I get, the more fed up I am with people who hop around in different churches and stuff like that. And then they claim to be these like mature believers and they always want to gripe about the church and whine and moan and complain. And then they're real bold behind those keyboards, right? They they're pecking out their opinions, you know, and always griping and then they'll hop from this church to another church to another church. And they're like little babies and like Pastor feed me. I'm a baby. I need a bottle pastor, but I don't ever feed anybody else, but I'm mature. Is that a maturity? No, it's a freaking baby. I don't want to pastor babies. I want to pastor people who have the courage to get in the arena and change the world while we're still living. Take a little breath. Serenity now, you know, sorry. But I really mean that. Um, You know, people are dying out there. And um, man, we can really make an impact there to to change that by guiding people and stepping up to lead. So if you want to lead a tribe group, you also can come up here. And, you know, tell one of the coaches or Pedro, you know, I want to lead. I want to get into the arena, you know. Um, We have some stuff coming up for you. We have a tribe rally where Pedro and I will be there. And, you know, the real reason that's coming up on August the 12th, by the way. And the real reason to go to that is not so much the rally as much as it is. uh, Pedro's wife, Esther, is going to be doing the cooking there. And man, she makes really good food. She makes these flautas that are, I'm serious, they're like crack cocaine. So we can both get people addicted to flautas and start flautas anonymous group all at the same time, you know, a recovery group there. But then we'll also have on September, or rather August the 19th, uh, tribe leader training with Pedro and I. And then on Sunday, the 20th of August, we're gonna have what we call our tribe walk. And that's gonna be outside where a bunch of the tribes are gonna have tables set up. And anybody who wants to get in one and sign up can go to one of those tables and get involved in a group. And then we'll launch a lot of our fall tribes on August the 22nd, which is a Tuesday. Now, remember earlier I said that there's power in a single phone call. And the time for you to, you know, be involved in a supportive, loving tribe who will intercede for you is not when you get the phone call, but before, right? Because when you get the phone call, it's too late, isn't it? And I, uh, you know, I can guarantee you these two things. I can give you two promises today. Number one, the phone call will come. It's coming for everyone. Number two you may not need someone but someone needs you. You follow me? You may not need someone right now but there is someone that needs you. They need your love, they need your prayers, they need your encouragement, they need your experiences. They need you to, you know, help them maybe sometimes financially. But when you give love to others, you'll receive it when you need it the most. I've seen that happen time and time again. When you're a person that gives love to others, you'll receive it when you need it the most. I'll never forget one time when my wife Jeannie and I got one of those calls. And the call was to my wife Jeannie, your dad, my father-in-law, has cancer, stage four, and it's not gonna be long before he passes on to heaven. And look, we live down here deep in the heart of Texas, and he was up in Missouri, and we could not afford a lot of plane tickets to go up there. You know, we couldn't afford a lot of tickets for Jeannie to go up there and be at her dad's bedside and all that. And at that time, Jeannie and I were leading... A small group tribe in a man's home in a neighborhood not far from here. And I remember during that time he said, Hey, you know, I've got these airline miles from a credit card that I use. And I, I got all these miles, and I can't do anything. Can you take them and go up there? And we were like, Oh, for sure. And so my wife, Jeannie, and I went sometimes, but I couldn't go all the time, but she took several trips up there to Missouri. To be with her dad in his last days, to hold his hand, to care for him, to tell him the things that she had always wanted to tell him—you know—before he passed, she got to do that. It was beautiful. But I found out that the man who gave us the air miles actually lied to us. He didn't have a bunch of miles on a credit card. He was just paying for those those plane tickets. And man, what do you think that's worth to us? You know, we got to be there with Pop in his last days and share our hearts with him. And it's really hard to put a dollar amount on that, you know. But that is the power of a tribe. That's why we want you to do this. And there's someone that wants it more for you than than anyone here. And that's God. You know, God is a tribe. It's called the Trinity tribe. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a tribe. Jesus died on the cross so that you could get into the tribe. Right? And then Jesus prayed for us. And he said, God, make them one. You know, I want you guys to be one like I and the Father are one. That's what he prayed for us. He wanted it so bad. And I want you to be in a tribe so much just as one of your pastors. I wrote you a poem called Bowling Alone. And it goes, When we're bowling alone, gutter balls will fall. In a world of isolation, we've lost it all. Robert Putnam warned, but we didn't heed the cost of loneliness, the pain of this need. Together the answer, the cure we must seek. In tribes we'll find solace. The company we seek. Like the axe church. We gather and stand. In temples and homes across this great land. No longer alone. We'll break down the walls. Embracing each other as the tribe calls. In the tribes embrace. We'll share our plight. A community bound. A beacon of light. But even more profound. The love in our hearts. In tribes we connect. The loneliness departs. With arms open, we welcome, we lead, a tribe of belonging, a soul's deep need the Bible's wisdom, it rings loud and clear, in tribes we find purpose, we conquer our fear no more dying of loneliness we unite, together we thrive in Jesus' light so let's rise and build tribes let's take the lead extend a hand to those in need we do everything together study and ride bikes no more bowling alone Because together, we bull strikes. Right on? And so look. Thank you. As we wrap up today, I want to be very clear about the action step. These tables are up here. And uh, could you coaches go ahead and come on down here and make your way to the table and Pedro and, and others? And what I want to ask you guys to consider is if you're not in a tribe group of any sort, consider coming down here, talking to them, and letting them know, hey, I want to be in a tribe group. And then the second invitation is for you after service, if you have a dream about a tribe that you could lead, come down here and let them know so that you could perhaps lead a tribe group and get into the arena. So it's for those that want to lead a group and those that want to attend a group. That clear? That clear? And so as we wrap up today, let me just make you aware of a couple of different things. Number one, we've got a tribal orientation, kind of like our version of a new members class that's coming up on August the 13th at one o'clock right next door in the cafe. So if you're new here and you want to get to know the mission, vision and values of the church, by all means, come to that. On September the 3rd, we have a child dedication coming up. And if you've got a child that you like to dedicate to raising them in the ways of God, then make sure and circle that date on your calendar. And we'll have registration up for that soon. Also, I wanted to mention a brief word about our financial stewardship. If you were here last week, you remember that we were talking about praying for Financial deficits in your homes, because if some of you are behind on your finances, we want to pray for you. And I heard a story of someone who had a a unexpected check in the mail after the last service. But we also prayed for our church budget, which is uh, we're at a little deficit right now. So we we prayed for that. And did you know what God did last week? We got three unexpected checks in the mail. Uh, from a government grant that we were seeking uh, that we didn't know we would get. And they came last week after we had prayed about that. And those checks are going to help us towards that deficit. So can we thank the Lord for that? Yeah. So prayer seems to be working. So what do you say we do it again? Okay. So God, we're, you know, the little tribe in, in San Antonio and some are struggling at home financially and we're praying for you to provide. Obviously, God, we wanna manage our, our resources and not go into crazy credit card debt or anything, but at the same time, we wanna be generous and we ask you to provide needs in our homes. Like the lady I talked to after last service, God, would you provide for someone's card payment? Would you lower someone else's bill? And God, collectively, we pray for our church finances that you would close the deficit and we're gonna give you credit and glory and honor every single time you do something new to provide. We just thank you that you're a great provider and we lean on you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Well, for the benediction, we're gonna do a song instead of a word. And so I wanna ask you to stand up. And if you're comfortable to, join hands with the people next to you and or if you want to put an arm around them now when it comes to the appropriate time in this song you'll know what it is when Gideon gives you the signal release the hands of others and clap to the beat of this great tribal anthem for people throughout history in America so would you guys sing it loudly and boldly as Ate and Gideon lead us in this
1: Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend I'm gonna
0: As you're dismissed today come and get signed up to lead or be a part and look check this out as you go from here and live in tribal community may you walk from here having someone to lean on and never ever bowling alone have an amazing Sunday we'll see you next week we're glad you were a part of the tribe today to further connect with us Check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.